Welcome to our next uh, candidate forum tonight on Channel 17's Town Meeting Television. Uh, we're very lucky tonight to have representatives from South Burlington. I'd like to introduce Ann Pugh and Maida Townsend. They are running unopposed in their districts and they're here to just remind everyone why they are running. And uh, we'll get into a nice discussion about uh, some of the issues that are affecting uh, South Burlington, especially from a state level. There is a number you can call anyone out there that's watching right now. It's the 862-3966 and we'd love to get a question from someone. Um, but I'll start off, let me start with Ann. Let's just, why don't you do, uh, remind your constituents why you're running and w w the things that you are, are important to you. Thank you. Um, and I really, I wanna start first to say thank you to Channel 17 um, for hosting this. Uh, this is the 14th time that I have come oh. before uh, this camera and I think this is a very, incredibly important function that Channel 17 does in terms of bringing candidates to the public and asking us these questions, so thank you. And I want to thank the voters of South Burlington who have given me um, the best job I could ever ask for. It is a huge honor um, and privilege to represent you, and I've been representing you since 1993. Um, this is the first time that I am running without um, an opponent, um, and I appreciate that. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not coming to your home, and thank you for welcoming me into your home and sharing your joys, your ideas, um, and your concerns about how to make South Burlington and how to make Vermont more welcoming and uh, to be uh, the state that we all know and love. Um, and I'm running, as I have always run to make, um, to build on Vermont's strengths. To, uh, Vermont has a lot to offer. We are a wonderful state. We have an incredible workforce. We have um, an incredible um, waterways and natural environment. And um, we are, for the most part, a welcoming uh, community. And it's, I'm running to make sure that every Vermonter has a solid chance and to become the person that they want and to live and play in Vermont. Thank you. Um, Maida, this is your chance. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I am running for my fourth term to the House, uh, representing the uh, generally known as the, the airport district of South Burlington. Um, I feel very intensely my relationship with and my responsibility to my constituents. And I believe I still have a great deal of uh, energy to uh, provide to them in terms of uh, my experience now over the, the last six years, uh, the last two of which I was chair of my committee, government operations in the House my work ethic, which my, my folks know is pretty much nonstop, and my fairly highly intense level of constituent outreach mm -hmm. and service. Um, I would s deeply want to continue that on behalf of my, my people, my constituents. The other reason that I'm running is that uh, in service uh, in House Government Operations, the, the committee on which I've served all six years and hope to serve these next two years, again, um, I'm all about transparency and accountability in government. And 
I know a ton more about all of that with all of the ins and outs and the different layers and the, uh, all of that, having given the six years so far immersed in matters related to transparency and accountability in state government. And I believe I have something to offer. Let's start there a little bit, Mandy. If I can get you to expand a little bit, and, and mm -hmm. Anne, I want you to answer this as well, too. Let's talk about that government effectiveness and transparency. Now that you both have been in the system for a while, what, what do you see are the things that we can do to make things more effective or more transparent? What, what, how do you see that? As, can can uh, I ask you a question? Yeah. What is ineffective? What is not working from your, your, the question assumes that there is a problem. So what is the problem? I, think that's, I would say that's generally people feel like, you know, there's a general kind of, and it may be wrong, but that things are not as efficient, you know, monetarily or, you know, or financially okay, or communication about. and those types of things that they feel like they're not as quite, um, connected to their state government, and it may be that they're not connected, it may be their own fault, but you know, that's one of the reasons why I think that getting that out on the table is, is a good thing. So, so since you've clarified, <laughs> and I happen to be uh, the co-chair of the Government Accountability Committee, which is separate from the House Government Operations Committee, um, personally, if when I want to check in on uh, Let's, let's make darn sure as to how well we're doing or not. I look at the data. Uh, first of all, I go online, and for all of the departments and agencies in state government, you can find for most of them, if not all at this point, their so-called report card right there on their website. And it's framed in terms of results-based accountability, answering three questions, what are we doing? How well are we doing it? And has, has it made any difference in anybody's life? And the departments and agencies are responsible for posting and keeping up to date mm. that report card. The other place I look for data is um, on the, the, state's, uh, the state's website that's entitled spotlight.vermont.gov, spotlight.vermont.gov. And there you can find the annual performance reports, which are focused on the 10 state outcomes that are written into statute that we are supposed to be targeting everything toward. For instance, the very first of the state outcomes is Vermont has a prosperous economy. Second one is Vermonters are healthy. They're, they're big issues that are pretty much, you know, motherhood and apple pie kinds of things. And there are indicators for each of these outcomes, for instance, just a couple for the, um, uh, for the outcome that Vermont has a prosperous economy. There is uh, the number of children and adults living in homelessness. There is the percentage of children living at or below, at, excuse me, at or above 200% of the federal poverty mm -hmm. level, things like this. Mm -hmm. And there is a narrative and there are a series of charts showing over time, over the years, whether we're going like this or whether we're going, it's, it's all right there. Now, being um, involved with the Government Accountability Committee, the mantra of which is you cannot improve something if you cannot measure it, and you cannot measure it if you don't have data. 
So we push, push, push for the data in house government operations. It has become perhaps annoying to witnesses. Sooner or later, we're always asking, so what's the data that backs up what you want us to do for you? Why, you know, data, data, data. The other data that I personally look to to get a sense of how we are doing in terms of state government, I talk to my people, I talk to my constituents, because as you have inferred, um, the, um, sometimes perception can be, not sometimes, most often, perception becomes reality, at least right. as one uh, goes through one's daily toil. Um, so I talk to my folks and I get a sense of where they're coming from and that gives me the opportunity that if there is mistaken information, gives me the opportunity to say, but it's this, here's the, mm. here's the real uh, story. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so what's your experience? And, and, and part of this is, is, you know, how do we answer the person out there that says, oh, I think, it's, I think government is too big or I, I just don't feel like it's, 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 it's serving me, you know, that, whether. I, <clears throat> you ask lots of questions and um, I feel like well, I should. I'm here. And I feel like I should preface this by saying, A, I'm a social worker and B, I'm a college professor at this point in time. And so um, I listen and I ask questions. Um, I try to find it. What do you mean it's too big? Tell me, okay, what part is too big? Um, what do you think we shouldn't be doing? And who should be doing it? Um, and because blanket statements like that um, are hard to respond to. Sure. Um, and on some level, I mean, I asked you the question, what do you mean by government not being effective? And some of that is it's not effective because you're not <coughs> addressing my problems. Right or you're not addressing my priorities, or the way, um, I mean, I think all Vermonters want, want Vermont to be prosperous, want Vermont to be welcoming, want our waters to be clean, want our economy to be strong, want everyone to succeed. We have different ideas on how to get there. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and sometimes you say, well, it takes too long. It takes way too long, why don't you, why don't you just do it? Well, my idea and your idea and your idea about how to make the economy stronger may have a similar thread, but may be all different. And a way, from my perspective, that, makes, that, that continues to make our government work is one, forums like this, two, a real free press, and three, government outreach for which Maida is the poster child. Um, she goes around to her district at least three, door to door, at least three times a year, election year, off election years, she goes out there. But in terms of the, our, she calls it our people. But in terms of Vermonters um, participating, voting, um, sharing what's not working, that is how we can be more effective. We're not gonna be effective if we only hear one voice. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you're both so passionate about it. I feel great about that. <laughs> Let's talk about a specific issue like opi the opioid crisis that's going on. And, and, and specifically, you know, we know in our county that it's an issue and it's affecting people and, and uh, right across the, the economic strata and all different types of families. Mm -hmm. From a state level, how can you work 
in um, with the state to help the statewide problem as well as the things that are happening in South Burlington. I'll, I'll let you start, mm -hmm. Ann. If you want. And if I could, it's yeah, most appropriate for Ann to start because yeah. she's the chair of Human Services. This is her bailiwick. Thank you. Um, and <clears throat> I am a NCSL's National Council on State Legislators. I am an opio opioid fellow, which, um, right. and I have. Uh, had the, I asked the right questions, <laughs> and I have, and I have, um, <laughs> I have had the the um, distinct privilege of um, speaking at a national conference, um, because Vermont is um, actually a leader in in addressing this issue, and so I I got to not speak about me, but speak about what Vermont is doing. Um, I want to say I want to go back to um, Governor Shumlin, who in his State of the State um, address. Um, said this is a prop. He he focused only on that, and he said this is a public health problem, and that began to change the conversation, um, and that was very important. We have um, what the state does is the state um, on some level provides resources, i.e., money and people, um, and they've set up a structure and are what is in the vernacular known as hub and spoke. Um, which is, uh, <clears throat> well, the, while there is disagreement, um, the, um, the most evidence-based treatment for opiate addiction is medication-assisted treatment, also known as MAT. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vermont's model of delivering it, which is having um, a clinic, a, a methadone clinic, which is more than just giving the medication, but also the therapy and the case management and the social supports for housing or job training or whatever, um, and having them it now dispersed um, across the state. So I can say in Chittenden County, um, I just <clears throat> heard from the Howard Center that there is not um, a waiting list um, to get into the hub. And then when, um, and then there are. Um, an increasing number of physicians who um, are able to prescribe buprenorphine, which is another of the medications, um, in their in their office, um, and they have social workers and case aides and nurses to assist with the other um, aspects. Um, that's a national model, and the fact that we have that across the state in their pockets, their areas where we need it more. Um, and Bennington is getting some soon and things like that. Um, so on that level, <clears throat> the hospital, UVM um, MC, um, is momentarily um, going to be able to uh, <clears throat> provide, when someone comes in, if they have overdosed in the emergency room, to be able to provide them with not only um, um, the um, Narcan, the, you know, the, the reversal, <clears throat> but also when they leave to provide them with buprenorphine in their hand um, as well as an appointment. <laughs> so for, so that, you know, so those kinds of things are really important. The, what state legislation did was we um, set the stage for limits um, on prescribing. Um, because um, at one point in time, and this has, you know, for lo there's lots of reasons, the federal government and others, but um, if there was pain, we prescribed opiates, and we prescribed lots of opiates and more than what was perhaps needed. Um, and so 
what state law does is state law, you know, what we have done in Vermont um, is we um, set the parameters for the Department of Health to work with physicians and the medical society um, to, to, to adopt appropriate um, guidance around prescribing. Um, we can work with insurance companies to say, hey, you know, why don't you start reimbursing for non-pharmacological um, responses to pain? Um, we've done studies to show that, yeah, you know, things like acupuncture does work. So talking about being effective, I mean, Medicaid did something. Um, they did, and you know, yes, there is, it, it can work. Those are all things, it's, we're closing the barn door after the horse has left. Right. And what we now need to do um, is one, continue to sort of look at what's working, and then how is that, how is the implementation going out? But okay, what does the barn need? Why, why is there, why is this continuing to happen? Um, and what we are learning is that it has to do a lot with feeling of hopelessness and helplessness and a lack of connection, a lack of connection to people around them or a lack of connection in the community. And so some of what we can do is start to do that kind of work so that there is not as much of a take up. And for instance, um, well, I want to give Maida a chance. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so I'll stop right there. I'm sorry. Well, no, but Anne <laughs> is the the expert okay. on this topic. I, I would only add in that another um, another way in which the state has been helping to address these issues is that um, we provide a modicum of financial support. Um, to entities such as the Turning Point, we mm -hmm. have one here Perfect. in Chittenden, Turning Point of Chittenden <coughs> County, and I believe there are 16 of them mm -hmm. dotting mm -hmm. the state, and the state does give uh, a, a, some support, not as much as we would like, mm -hmm. but it's what we can do. So for, if, just to, not to keep going on it too long, but so from a regulation standpoint, is the state working on Implementing rules and regulations to limit. Uh, oh, we already have. We've already done those. Things. We have so limits. You, you mean with regard to the prescriptions? Yeah, prescriptions oh, yeah. That's, that's or done. treatment or oh, any of those we, things. So those, you're feeling those, good about the, you know where they're going with that direction and well, so. Yes, I mean feeling good. Um, yeah, no, and, I know. And, yeah. and to circle back to your question about effectiveness, just because something's working now doesn't mean it will work right. in two years. So part of our job um, as legislators is to ask questions. And part of the community's job and the provider's job is to provide us with information and let us know when, you know, this is no longer working. You, we need to do something different. Um, and I'll just... And part and, of that goes back to Maida's whole idea about achieving those, right. you know, those goals and the direction. Maybe the goals have to be changed at this point to, to grab data that can be exactly so, and, and Maida, being willing, being willing to try new things, right? Being willing to look outside of our borders um, to other states or other, you know, um, other entities, other countries. What are they doing? Yep. What are they doing that's working? Um, are we at a place where we can try those things um, or not? Uh, you ask about the you know opiate crisis, and on some level, what is as much of a crisis as not, if not more is fentanyl. Right. And um, that's a whole. I mean, and at one point in time, it was like, okay, let's get strips out to everyone so they can test, 
let's let, let's give so that they can test if there's fentanyl. Right. Someone said to me a bit sarcastically, but not really, is we don't need to give out strips because 90% of the heroin now is laced with fentanyl. Wow. So what we need to be doing is not spending money on providing strips, but rather doing education on like, if you're going to be doing this, be prepared. Um, and then how do you not? I think if, we could go if, on if, a long time. If, if I, yeah, if sorry. I could, yeah, a, another piece which we don't want to leave out here is kind of old fashioned. Mm -hmm. The importance at the family level, the community level, for people to talk to one another, yes. to reach out to one another, to never close off a conversation, to not be afraid of opening a conversation. And certainly in the schools, there's a lot of work done mm -hmm. with uh, the youngsters in school at, at lots of ages, not just the high school. Mm. Um, so that piece cannot be forgotten, going right back to uh, parents really not being afraid to talk about these kinds of things mm -hmm. with their kids. Yeah, and to, exactly. To, also, to not leave medications in the uh, medicine cabinet right. where people can think, oh, if grandma can take it, it must be okay for me to take it. Because that has been part of this bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And something as simple as taking medications once uh, one is done with it, any extra, going to one's local police department, there's a box. You just put it in there, it's and destroyed. also in libraries. And in libraries now too, okay. That's great. Well, let's let's talk a little bit, because um, I, I think this this topic, by the way, I think is worthy of its own forum at some point. You know, after, you know that I think that gathering people like yourself to come out and be and communicate on what's going on, I think that's very important. Um, Maybe I want to ask. So, because I, I, we're getting close to where our time is going to run out, and I want to make sure we get. Um, what What are the big issues, or the the issues that you want to really focus on in, in this next legislative um, session and and beyond that you think you're going to put your energy too at this point? Well, it goes back to what I said at the beginning, the, the transparency and accountability piece as it relates to uh, state government. Um, I already know that we're going to be looking at uh, campaign finance, the whole question of um, corporate money in uh, politics. Uh, do we want to move to uh, an honest-to-goodness, full-blown public financing of uh, campaigns, is that the only way? Because there, there is a school of thought, and we're doing some research with some other states that think they've passed legislation to successfully remove corporate money mm -hmm. from, from the process, but then it just goes into a dark money right. thing, and that doesn't right. cure a thing. Right. So maybe public a, a real public financing system is, is the route to go. But this is going to take a lot of study, a lot of discussion with witnesses and all of that, but that's mm -hmm. one piece. Another piece which was brought to our attention at the very end of the last session was the matter of um, um, oversight for our sheriffs. Uh, th there's mystery surrounding right, some of how, and, yes, uh, yes. mystery as to how some things are done and who's accountable to whom and all of that. Okay. Um, we're not trying to cause anyone to have heartburn, right. but it's part of our responsibility. Public safety, uh, all of the law enforcement uh, issues are part of our responsibility, and if we don't do the broad look, then we're not doing what mm -hmm. we should. Um, there's, there's also the matter of, uh, let's see, the sheriffs, 
because the, the list gets longer once we're in session, but <laughs> I, uh, there will be um, a miscellaneous elections bill, because all of the elections law is within our purview also, some uh, tweaking of things that uh, could perhaps stand to make things a little more mm. efficient, straightforward. Um, there's, there's also the matter of trying to, we need to look back at the beginning of the session at our vital records right. bill. Hmm. Uh, we discovered- tell, tell us a little bit about what well, was that? Vital records looks at um, you know, the birth and death mm -hmm. records and uh, the major focus of the work we did uh, during this last biennium was to close the door such that people from a mountaintop somewhere could not get their hands on our birth and death records, which they could. It was totally open door, which we thought was outrageous. Uh, so we did a lot of work on that, and part of closing the door was establishing the statewide registration system, computerizing, you know, and setting the rules as to who are the only people who can have access, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so the, the, the system was supposed to be up and running for the beginning of July this year. Mm -hmm. And we got the word, might have even been during the special session, that it wasn't ready, which created a, a very unhappy situation, mm -hmm. shall we say. And one of the first things, I have put people on notice, I did that bef early in the summer, put people on notice that when we go back in January, uh, they're going to be invited in, and they're going to have to explain themselves. What went wrong, and how is it being fixed? Because we extended the date for the statewide registration system to uh, this coming uh, July, mm -hmm. but maybe it can be ready sooner than that, mm -hmm. so that that piece can be fixed. So mm -hmm. we have to revisit that. There are also questions that need to be revisited with regard to the ethics bill that we passed okay. last session. Um, One of the pieces of that statute is that people running for office are expected to disclose certain pieces of financial information. Well, this person was not terribly happy when she heard that some persons wanting to run for office didn't think it applied to them. Because, and, and why not just continue to think it doesn't apply to a person if there are no consequences? because built into the law, brand new law, brand new concepts and all, um, we had not put any consequences. So we need to have, a, uh -huh. there are some of us who believe at least we need to have a conversation about consequences. My, I will confess that my knee-jerk reaction is, well, if you can't go along with the law as stated, that candidates need to provide X, Y, and Z financial disclosure, if you're not willing to do that, well, then your name is not on the ballot. I have no idea if that's constitutional or not. We'll find out. <laughs> or, barring that, can there be a little fine? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's constitutional. But, but you see, the, mm -hmm. the, the fact that people, some people, the vast majority followed the law, and our thinking was not to put consequences in because people would be law-abiding, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, <coughs> but that, the, the, that some people uh, thumb their noses at the law that we cannot just turn a blind eye on that. Right, right. 
So. And do you have a, um, things you want to focus on this, this coming session? Um, I have been chair of the House Human Services Committee, and I want to say That's that. That's big. It's big. Um, I want to say it. So what I want to, what I believe that we will continue to focus on is how to invest in people, how to shore up people, how to remove any barriers so that every single Vermonter, whether they're um, over 65, whether they're a person with disability, whether they're a child, whether they're um, you know, um, a person living or family living in poverty, that whatever, that whatever barriers that we are able to, um, to address or remove so that they can succeed, because I believe that improving our economy means investing in people. So the, let's just follow through with that. So from an economic standpoint, to, to help the economy in the state to make it more prosperous, because there's all these predictions that... If people are living in poverty, they won't buy things. Right. Um, if people aren't able to get out of, of their house because of barriers, we won't buy things. And there, there are jobs that are not being, um, that are being left unfilled because people don't have the training. We have a phone. Do we have a phone call? Do we? No. Um, there, I mean, you know, I mean, we, there are jobs that are unfilled um, because, um, and we have people who want to do, do them. We have. Um, young people who want to come here, or young people who want to stay and young families, who are not going to be able, or say a barrier to them staying is not having um, access to um, childcare, or not having access to um, paid family leave. If we are going to support the economy, we need to support families, because workers are members of families. And um, when I'm at my job, I do my job, but when my family is in disarray, I'm not going to be doing my job as well as I could. And if I need to leave my job for a bit of time to take care of my sister, my mother, my father, um, my new child, my new baby, um, how can I do it in a way um, that I can then return to the workforce? We have, as you probably can guess, just a few more seconds left. Maida, do you want to finish off by just, you know, with a Anything you'd like to make sure you didn't get a chance to say, or? Well, it has. It does not pertain directly to my committee. Sure. I, I would want to call uh, everyone's attention to two reports that came out this week. Well, one is was one of the Nobel mm -hmm. um, uh, awards in economy, and the key. Uh, message from the, the gentleman at Yale whose work was honored linked climate and economy. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And if, a co if economic development, he said, if economic development is thriving, that's liable to be hurting the climate because of all the fossil fuels and mm -hmm. all of that being used up as, you know, economics are uh, pursued. However, he also said, if the climate is not cared for, if climate change is not addressed, addressed yeah. then that's bad for economic development. Mm -hmm. There's also the fact that there was the report from the UN this week, the Intergovernmental right. Committee right. on Climate Change. Yep. They pointed out, um, we've got to do something uh, around the world yep. fast, because the, the goal is to cap the uh, 
cap the greenhouse gas uh, warming at 1.5 degrees Celsius. We have already gotten one degree Celsius warm. That lit one half of a degree is left to get That's to that cap. Have, yeah. And circling back to um, government effectiveness across the world, someone did the top 100 things you can do. Um, one is educating women, and the other is family planning, and those are in the top 10 to deal with climate change. I, I want to thank you both. I, you, not only do I feel confident about South Burlington and, and their representatives, but I feel better. Uh, you've educated me quite a bit here tonight as well. And we have to wrap it up, unfortunately. I wish we could keep going. But um, folks, thank you um, for tuning in tonight. And you can find us uh, on the internet. At, uh, and we'll see you again at Channel 17 Town Meeting Television. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah.